Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you exclusive insight from the industry's most renowned experts. I'm Kieran McLoone, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. Don't forget to enter your brand into the Global Franchise Awards 2021, which have an entry deadline of March 29th, 2021 at 5pm GMT. For more information on how to enter our judging panel and why this year's awards could boost your brand, head over to globalfranchisemagazine.com forward slash awards. This week's guest is a published franchising author, a prominent keynote speaker, and also had a career as a successful edible arrangements franchisee for over 10 years. Scott Greenberg has seen all sides of the franchisor-franchisee relationship and now uses that experience to advise both franchisors and franchise owners on how they can go beyond average and enter the high-performing environment. On this episode, we wanted to delve into Scott's career and ascertain what some of the key lessons he's learned have been, lessons that both franchisors and franchisees alike can utilize when building their own legacy in the industry. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Good. So glad to be here. Thanks very much for for joining us. Um, so if we dive straight into it, just kind of look at uh, your your history with franchising slightly, because as well as currently, you know, your your um, career as a prolific author and a, a franchise speaker, um, you've also been a franchisee for Edible in the past. Um, would you be able to kind of give our listenership a bit of a rundown of your experience within the franchise industry? Just bring them up to speed with where you're coming from for this. Sure. So, you know, most people back into the franchise industry, no one as a kid dreams of one day, you know, being a frozen yogurt shop owner. Uh, So my path was similar. I actually was a motivational speaker for a number of years and that was going very well, but I found a lot of people in my audiences had more leadership experience than I did. And so it occurred to me one day that not only would I like to make some more money, but I'd like to have some more life experience to draw from. And I like the idea of getting into a franchise business because There's all these people doing the same thing, but getting different results. And I wanted to know why I found that interesting. So for me, buying into a franchise system was as much to have a leadership laboratory as it was an additional stream of income. So I ended up with Edible Arrangements. We built uh, one store. And again, I brought as much curiosity to it as I did desire to make money. And that really served us. So we did very well. And our first location became sort of the flagship location in Southern California. And then a few years later, I acquired a second location that was really struggling And using what we learned with the first one, we turned it around and made it profitable within the first year. In fact, I think when I bought it, my first store is number one out of 105 stores in California. The store that we bought was 104th. So the store would be better if it was 105th, but I'll I'll give the previous owner credit. So uh, we were able to turn that around and very successful. Well, a number of speakers bureaus who I worked with started then pitching me to other franchises as a speaker. And As I prepared for those presentations, I interviewed those franchisors, I interviewed those franchisees, and that gave me a much more global perspective on what's happening in franchising, what franchisors see, what franchisees are experiencing. And after a while, I started to see the trends. You know, what are the common complaints and what are the top people all have in common? So five years ago, I sold my Edible Arrangements franchises, and I've been working uh, exclusively now in with franchise brands, helping franchisees take their business to the next level by focusing on the things that really are what makes a difference. Yeah. And just talk uh, on that note of experience, some of the um, franchisors we've spoken to recently, it seems have unique stories, some of the the leading franchisors, um, where they come from a background of being a franchisee, which seems like it really uh, presents this kind of level of hands-on empathy that you wouldn't get outside of that. Is that something you've come across in your talking with franchisors where people who are immersed in multiple roles within the industry like yourself, um, you know, do they, do they benefit more from that experience? 
I think in terms of credibility, haven't actually done it and been there makes a huge difference. And I find that you know a lot of franchisors bring me in to speak to their franchisees because they know that franchisees appreciate that I've shared their experience. But when I think in terms of empathy, I think it's less about having had the same circumstantial experience as someone as much as you've had the same emotional experience. So I don't think you have to have been a franchisee to understand ambition and the desire for profit, the desire for respect, or the desire to have some sense of control over your life. And I've met a lot of people who you know, work as employees for a franchisor, but who are really curious and concerned about franchisees. They understand that emotional experience and they have plenty of empathy. So if you've had that experience, I think it's great, but I don't think it's necessary in order to emotionally understand what people are going through and to be able to support them. Um, and just in terms of your own personal um, experience with franchising, if we go back to to your time with Edible, uh, what were some of the key lessons you learned um, firsthand, you know, throughout that experience that you've now imparted onto other franchisors before you just went around and spoke to them? What was what were some of the key learnings from that time? It's a pretty long list, but I'll tell you the sort of the three big ones that I really walked away with. Sure. The first is it really deepened my appreciation for how much our own individual mindset directly impacts how well we execute operations. You know, every franchisee, they're running the same business, but they're getting very different results. They think it's because of location. They think it's because of how many hours they're putting in, or they think it's you know luck, or maybe because one franchisee is more educated and more experienced. But what I learned is what really separates top franchisees from others is their ability to keep a clear head, to stick to the system, to really um, focus on continuous improvement. They have a mindset that they are completely um, in control of. So that's the first thing is to understand how much each franchisee brings to their own business mentally and the importance of controlling that. So having a mindset for high performance, that's the first thing I really came to learn and appreciate. The second thing I learned is the importance of truly developing your employees rather than just directing their work. A lot of franchisees get so caught up being busy and just wanting to get things done that they dehumanize their employees. They just look at them as tools to complete a series of tasks, forgetting that those employees have emotion and fears and thoughts and goals and ambition. And if we can really focus not just on building the business, but developing our employees, elevating how they feel, elevating their skill set and their mindset, they're going to perform at a higher level. They're going to serve customers at a higher level. So that's the second thing. So the first thing is the importance of your own mindset. And the second thing is really focusing on developing your employees with the faith that that will help you grow the business. The third thing I learned is the difference between a customer transaction and a customer experience. Again, because of that busyness problem, we tend to neglect that human part of the business. And a lot of franchisees are just focused on getting through as many customers as possible. You know, next in line, they take their order, they take their money, they fill the order. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Next in line. And they just run through it. No one's going to complain about that, but it's a missed opportunity because we want to make sure that every customer transaction is a marketing opportunity. We want that customer to not just you know, take their money. We want them to become a repeat customer. We want them to become a spokesperson for our business. So what I learned is if we can focus on making every encounter an experience that is emotionally satisfying, that customer is going to remember us, they're going to talk about us, and they're going to want to come back. So again, the three things, and, and th these are the things that I talk about in all my presentations and the articles I write in my book, that it really comes down to making sure that you have a really great mindset, 
for business success, that you really focus on developing your employees and that you really give your customers emotionally satisfying experiences. Those are the, probably the three key things I took away. Yeah, it's it's interesting because those three things aren't you know unobtainable to any business owner really. They're not invest a million dollars in your organization. It's all about perspective really, isn't it? And just changing how you view your brand and your growth. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if I mean, what I guess another thing that I learned this is so important to understand is that there's three things that determine how successful we're going to be in these businesses. It's our circumstances, which we don't control. It's operations, which is what most of us focus on. But then there's that human element. And I don't think we spend enough time focusing on the human element, but our own mindset, the way we lead others, and the way we serve others, these are the human factors that franchisors uh, don't have as much control over as they would like. It's up to the franchisee to really understand how much that self-management is important. And franchisors would do better by really emphasizing that more and supporting that more. That human element makes all the difference in the world. The difference between a mediocre operator and what I call a next level franchisee. Right. And uh, Next Level Franchisee is quite similar to uh, the title of your new book, of course, uh, The Wealthy Franchisee. Um, and I wondered if you initially be able to kind of just establish what that means to you, that term, wealthy franchisee, because from my understanding, that's not entirely just about financial wealth. It goes a little bit beyond that. Correct. Now, admittedly, when I came up with you know the word wealthy, the title, it was absolutely meant to be a hook. <laughs> so in fact, I, a few months ago, I actually had a live presentation here in the States, if you can believe that. And I was you know standing by the front rows, they were getting ready to introduce me, but they had my first slide, had the title of my presentation of the book and the wealthy franchisee. And this woman says to me, I like your title. That's what I want. And of course, she was thinking about the financial piece. So the hook is there. But in the very first chapter, I go a little bit deeper when I define wealthy and what it truly means to be a wealthy franchisee. So financial payoff is the first of three criteria. Obviously, we want to have more money in our pocket at dinner than we had at breakfast. So wealthy franchisees are people who are absolutely getting a good return on their investment. That's an easy, obvious one. Now, what a good return is, that's somewhat subjective based on how much you invested, where you live, and, and what your expectations are. But the idea is you're getting a good financial return. That's the first thing. But you can have two franchisees, both of whom are, you know, doing, you know, a, a million pounds uh, gross a year. By the way, you like how I said pounds and not dollars? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm globally focused. So say they're doing, you know, a, a, you know, a million pounds a year in sales, but one is doing it working 20 hours a week and the other one's doing it working 80 hours a week. Well, these aren't the same thing. So the second criteria for being wealthy is that you're in control of your time. What I observed among all these wealthy franchisees who I interviewed for the book is that they're not slaves to their business. And those who own 50, 60 locations don't have any more hours in their day than someone who only has one. But they work smart, they replicate systems, they train their people, and so that they can go to their kids' games and take vacations and be home for meals and have the time to open more businesses or the time to enjoy their lives. So part of being wealthy is making good money. The second is being in control of your time. And the third criteria to be a wealthy franchisee is that you have quality of life. Life is short. You know, we're, we can always make more money, but we're not going to get our time back. So we want to make sure that when we spend our time, it's in a way that enhances our life. And I meet people who wake up in the morning and they just feel sick to their stomach of having to deal with their business. And that's the word they use. I have to deal with my business. Life is too short for that. And so wealthy franchisees are people who are making good money. They're in control of their time. And running a business brings quality to their life. And I've met many people who meet all three criteria. And that's what you have to do in order to be a wealthy franchisee. And, and so my book, all the work I do is about helping people achieve all three of those things simultaneously. 
And are, are there kind of any main differences you'd say between, let's say, an average franchisee and a wealthy franchisee that franchisees can look at themselves and, you know, what changes could they make to elevate to that wealthy franchisee sort of level of operation? It's probably the most important question any franchisee can ask what you just asked, which is, okay, what can I do? How can I replicate what wealthy franchisees have or what they do? And so part of it is overcoming the myths about why they're successful. You know, again, people think, well, it's because they have a great location. I interviewed one person for my book who uh, took an average location. This is for the UPS store, which is a massive franchise brand here in the U.S. He took a very average location and he made it number one. Um, just through providing great customer service. Then he bought a second location. Again, very average. And two doors down was uh, FedEx Office Store, the direct competitor. Once again, he made it the number one store out of thousands through great customer experience. So location matters, but it's not the biggest thing. And so there's all these myths. I narrowed it down to three things that these people do. And what's great is these are three things that any franchisee can replicate. The first is they maintain a clear head. It's part of that mindset piece. So they keep their emotions and their thoughts under control. So they don't give in to fear. They don't give in to greed. They don't give in to mistrust. It's not they don't feel emotions and have crazy thoughts, but they get themselves back to what I call their point of clarity prior to making decisions. So they're really good at keeping a clear head. The second thing they do is they stick to the system. It's that one piece of advice that every franchisor has, and so many franchisees want to outsmart the system cut corners, think they know better than the franchisor. You know, great franchisees, wealthy franchisees are not especially innovative or creative. They've outsourced the innovation to the franchisor. They bought the franchise to mitigate risk. Well, as soon as you deviate from the system, you're exposing yourself to the same risk that you paid to get away from in the first place. So these people, they execute at a high level and they have ideas, but they work with the franchisor to develop those ideas and see if they're appropriate. But for the most part, they just stick to the proven system and execute at a high level. That's a big part of my message to franchisees. The third thing that they do is they use their business to improve the lives of everyone it touches. So it's not just about making money. It's they wake up in the morning thinking, what can I do to elevate others? Whether it's their employees, whether it is their customers, whether it is the community, whether it's their fellow franchisees within the brand, they look at their business as a tool to make the world a better place. I know that sounds sort of touchy-feely, but this is what all these wealthy franchisees I interviewed have in common, and that correlates with better sales and, and more profit because they're putting more value out into the world and they're taking advantage of the boomerang effect. So the three things that any franchisee can replicate, work hard to keep a clear head, stick to the proven system, and consistently use your business to improve the lives of others. You do those three things, you're going to take your business to the next level. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of our, our listenership will be quite glad to hear that because yet again, they're three very achievable things. It just is a case of changing your perspective and changing the way that you run your business. Um, just a sort of on that note of um, changing and adapting for the year ahead, um, when you've spoken to franchisors, what are some of the main challenges that you think have been identified for what the franchising industry has to contend with in 2021? I mean, obviously, you know, coronavirus is still quite a prominent one um, for the entire industry, but are there any particular things that you think franchisors or franchisees need to be aware of so that they can really maximize their um, success and profitability this year? I think the pandemic has sort of served as a CT scan of businesses. It's given us insight into what's really going on, what are the strengths, and equally important, what are the vulnerabilities? And so we've had a basically a year now to contend with those things, and some have done it better than others. 
as you know, the franchise industry is really um, made up of a bunch of other industries. And there are variables, things that change from industry to industry. So franchises that are in home services have really thrived. People are spending more time at home and they care more about that. And so a lot of those franchises have really profited from the current circumstances. Then you have uh, franchises that are restaurants, a huge sector within the franchise industry, and some have done better than others, but they've really had to change. Um, we've all heard the word pivot a million times and really think about you know, their takeout business and their delivery business and can they provide outdoor seating. Uh, and then you have this third part of the franchise industry, which are those that for periods of time have not even been allowed to operate, such as fitness centers, you know, hair salons, that kind of thing. And they've really been impacted by, uh, you know, by government regulation, you know, for reasons that we all understand. And so it really varies industry to industry. But what I've learned is, you know, what the best brands are doing is they're really focusing on whatever they have control over operationally to really tighten up, to adapt, and to just not wait around for the world to open up, but to find a way to make money now with their products and services. Um, I think that many businesses, franchisors and franchisees alike, have understood more importantly now the, um, why we need to have contingency plans, You know, having access to more cash and more credit, because now that something like a pandemic is possible, um, we can start to anticipate other times that we might be shut down or have certain parts of our business cut off. And so that's another thing that uh, I think a lot of brands are, are focusing more on is contingency plans for if something like this happens again. Uh, I think a lot of brands are uh, diversifying their offerings um, based on their vulnerabilities. And that's true for certainly all businesses. You know, for me, uh, up through, you know, 2019, the bulk of my income was from giving live presentations uh, well, I've certainly had to diversify my offerings because that simply hasn't been possible in, in 2020. Um, but as always, I think the most important thing is just to become the best you've ever been, um, to do better than your competition. And that's something that's, that has always been there. But I think that's that's really important now and really being uh, of service to franchisees, really being of service to the public. Another thing that I think is also going on in the franchise industry, certainly here in the U.S., is a misunderstanding of the franchise model. Uh, I recently read about a survey that most uh, people, at least here in the States, don't actually understand how franchises work. They still look at it as, you know, a big, gigantic institution like McDonald's rather than understanding the model and how these, these individual franchisees. And that impacts government regulation and, um, you know, other things that franchise brands have to contend with. And so I think the industry needs to do an even better job of its messaging and of clarifying what the model is, certainly with legislators who are creating laws. Yeah. And on that last point, I think, as you say, education is particularly important now where you have people who maybe have been made redundant or laid off and, you know, they may not be aware that franchising is a potential career avenue that they could go down. Um, and with that education, you could see a real boom in franchisee acquisition for some brands that are really looking for new talent at the minute. Um, the the last question I got for you, Scott, is one that I imagine you get quite a lot. It's essentially, how do I get rich through franchising? Um, but is there any specific industry? I mean, you've touched on, you know, the likes of home services are really booming at the moment. Um, food and beverage has always been a franchising mainstay, but is a bit of a, a, a rocky landscape at the minute. Um, are there any specific industries that you think would be great for first time franchisees to get into in 2021, who, as you say, maybe haven't been, you know, maybe they weren't aware of franchising as a model, but they want to start their own business um, where do you think they should begin this year? I think they should begin by looking inward rather than outward. 
And what I mean by that is I think a lot of people, the first question they ask is, where can I make the most money? You know, what, what would work? But again, to be a wealthy franchisee is about more than making money. It's also about being in control of your time and quality of life. So you might buy into a brand where there's money to be made, but if it's taking up all your time or it's making you miserable, to me, that's a net loss. So I think we need to start by looking inward and asking yourself, what are your values? What do you care most about in your life? Forget, let's assume you're going to be successful. What are the things you want to have in your life? Whether for some people, it's they want something where they can be creative. For some people, they want something where they can work from nine to five. For some people, they want something where there's expansion. Some people want something that's very active. You have to decide what, what matters to you. What are your values? What's the lifestyle you want? And then when you start looking at different franchise industries or different brands, ask yourself, to what extent does this brand meet your criteria? So, you know, your value system might be very different from mine. We might share the same values, but we might rank them differently. So I could never advise someone what they should invest in, at least until I know what matters to them. And then if maybe I had an idea of a franchise brand that can meet those values, then I could say something. But I would never say to someone, hey, if they say I want to buy a franchise, what do you recommend? Uh, for me to point them to a brand, I might really be doing them a disservice because for one person, that might that brand might be a great fit, but for others, not so much. And of course, the development people who sell franchises, you know, their job is to sell as many franchises as possible. I talked to one franchise executive recently and he said to me, I asked him, you know, how often do you turn away people who are a bad fit? And he said to me, oh, we don't use the term turn away. <laughs> you know, we're out there trying to make the world a better place. Why would we deny our opportunity to someone else? Well, what he's basically saying is we're a good fit for everyone. So his agenda might be different than you know what's best for the franchisee. And so I think franchisees need to clarify for themselves what is important, what lights them up, gets them excited, what feeds their soul, and then use those things as part of their criteria for selecting a, a brand. But you know, having said that, you know, if you're looking for something that is, you know, recession proof or something that is pandemic proof, well, and you can look and see who's you know done well in a bad economy or who's been able to survive in a recession, but those things may not make you happy. So my, my res- overall response would be just look inward first. Uh, and then find industries and brands that honor the things that are important to you. Yeah, for sure. I think you've provided a really great um, sort of list throughout this episode for that people can, you know, look to to begin that introspective process. But um, yeah, that was a much more philosophical answer than I imagine some people were probably expecting, but probably a much more useful one, as you say, rather than this brand, because who knows? Uh, well, thank you very much for, for your time, Scott. It's been really, really great speaking with you. And uh, yeah, wish you the best of luck with the new book. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. Scott essentially provided franchisees and franchisors with a masterclass throughout our chat and outlined some of the key ways that business owners can transform their organization and make 2021 the most important year yet. Whether it's developing employees instead of directing them or focusing on your own quality of life, there's plenty of tools that it's easy to overlook but crucial to remember. And acting them into your own professional life could spell the difference not only between success and failure, but between happiness and being unfulfilled. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Have you shifted your perspective when it comes to running your business? And what has the impact been in performance? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. 
or even better leave a review or a simple rating on apple podcasts or wherever you find your pods to keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts subscribe to the magazine hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on twitter facebook and linkedin today